Hello, everybody, and welcome to the PTF podcast, The Jump Net. I'm uh, Lance Corporal J. Pearson, and I'm here with Second Lieutenant M. Clark. Um, we are just here to talk about a little bit of the stuff to do with MAG 36, our aircraft group, that is Marine Air Group 36. Um, first of all, Clark, can you just tell me a little bit about what it means to be in MAG 36? Yeah, so MAG 36 is kind of like a sub branch of the PTF. It's not necessarily the same thing as being a paramarine. It's uh, being affiliated with a paramarine. So MAG 36 is in charge of all air operations that are related to the PTF, whether it's uh, reinserting troops, uh, dropping off supplies, uh, performing close air support, uh, and uh, exfilling troops after the end of the operation. Just uh, okay. the general stuff. Yeah, so basically MAG 36 is the um, kind of logistical support as well as fire support for the paramarine task force. Um, and obviously this involves uh, CAS, which is close air support. Um, uh, like you said, exfil, infill, um, all like different um, reinserts, not sort of a thing. Um, can you tell me about a little bit about what it's like to be a pilot? Uh, sure. So for me, I am the squadron leader of VMA 54, sorry, VMA 542, which is Tiger Squadron is our call sign. Uh, so we are in charge of fixed wing casts. We're the only fixed wing assets, uh, besides the drone that are cast capable. Uh, and we fly AV-8B Harrier 2s, uh, which is the modernized version of the original British uh, Hawker Harrier uh, designed for the Marine Corps around the mid to late 80s. Um, we have plenty of capabilities. We can use Mavericks for taking out tanks and guided missiles, uh, guided bombs based on GPS, laser designation from JTACs or from our own laser pods. Um, we have air-to-air missiles for dealing with air threats for any aircraft that come into the AO that are unfriendly towards uh, paramarines on the ground. And as well as that, uh, every MAG member that's in fixed wing started in rotary. Uh, fixed wing is very exclusive. Um, going into MAG, you start as an SNA, which is uh, nicknamed the Blueberry because of the blue uh, flight suit that you have to wear as an SNA. Uh, upon qualifying on the UH-1Y in CH-53, uh, an SNA gets its prom- uh, his promotion to uh, lieutenant, second lieutenant, uh, gets his butter bar. And from there, uh, you're able to fly whatever aircraft you're certified on and whatever roles that are needed. So we have two squadrons in MAG. We have gunfighters and tigers. Tigers is three people. It's myself, um, I.Spook. Uh, my wingman, as well as uh, J.Bolt. He's our drone operator uh, on the MQ-9 Reaper and RQ-4 Global Hawk. Um, Gunfighters is our rotary squadron, or HMLA-367, I believe. Um, Sorry, 369. And they fly the UH-1Y Venom, which is a modernized version of the old Hueys from Vietnam. Uh, Still in service of the Marine Corps today. They also can operate the age one Zulu Viper, which is a modernized Cobra. Um, they it's a lot less common that you see those these days, uh, since we have the Harriers and they do the job very, very well. Um, but you also have 
uh, aircraft like the Osprey or the C-17 and C-130, which even though they're not rotary assets, the uh, the gunfighters is typically the more logistical backbone of the PTF these days. Um, they'll bring in crates of ammunition and explosives and medical supplies for the paramarines on the ground. Um, they can be used for emergency casts with rocket pods that are attached to all of our helicopters. Um, as well as medevacs, which we've uh, recently implemented in our, our new campaign here. Uh, we've written a standard operating procedure for it, or SOP. And fun fact, the uh, the call sign for a medevac uh, helicopter on the radio for between JTACs and AIR is called Nightmare, which is pretty cool in my opinion. So basically, PTF and MAG work hand-in-hand. Hand. MAG just supports the PTF and that's, that's the end goal is to support the Marines on the ground. And that's the same with the real Marine Corps as well. So for sure. And, um, so you mentioned that there's two different squadrons. There's the gunfighters and you said the, um, tigers, the tiger squadron. Um, can I ask how those names were picked or do you know? Uh, so originally we did not, when I first joined the PTF, we, uh, I was originally slotted in one, two, and then I moved into mag almost immediately uh, as an SNA and SNAs are not slotted into a squadron. They are independent. So they, they don't get the squadron call sign. They don't get, um, they don't get the, so for example, tiger squadron, uh, we have tiger one, one and tiger one, two, which is myself and spook, uh, my wingman. And uh, the drone has the call sign Watchdog. So on the radio, these are the call signs that you'll hear. You'll hear uh, Tiger Actual or Tiger 2. Um, okay, this is like your nine line. This is your cash strike that we need you to perform. And then the JTACs will read through the necessary information for us to conduct the strike. The uh, Gunfighter Squadron, uh, their call sign is Gunshot 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, etc. Um and all SNAs are just call sign Eagle, whether it be Eagle 1, 2, 3, 4, however many SNAs we have. At this current moment, I believe we have two. Uh, so respectively, their call signs are Eagle 1 and Eagle 2. And that's just based on who's been an SNA the longest. So if you have three people become SNAs all at the same time, um, then you'll have kind of 1, 2, and pick. 3. Yeah, and then whenever one of them gets promoted to lieutenant, it just shifts up instead of, uh, so it becomes whoever was the second in line. Now, if you had someone, one person wanted to become an SNA, uh, and then his buddy joined afterwards and decided, Hey, I want to go mag too. Then he would become Eagle too. And then after that first person promoted, then the latter would become Eagle one. Uh, it, it has no effect on leadership or seniority. It's just, um, being an SNA is kind of like being the multi-tool that we carry in our pocket. We can have SNAs be loadmasters. We can have SNAs be co-pilots, door gunners, um, aircraft maintainers even. Um, it's actually very, very effective for us to be able to, um, for us to be able to operate with an SNA that, uh, because there are certain privileges that SNAs do not have compared to um, fully trained pilots. And as, for example, SNAs are not allowed to fly any aircraft uh, solo by themselves. They have to be with an accompanying um, qualified pilot 
and they can get experience on the door gun. On the UH-1Ys, we have many guns in the doors to support the troops on the ground uh, just to cover them. Uh, and they can get experience in the co-pilot seat. And the, uh, the trained pilot essentially becomes a instructor for the day or for the op. Um, so it'll be like going on a ride along with the local police and they'll just tell you about what you're doing. Uh, and as you're flying with that person, I remember when I was in SNA, I would fly with uh, Kirk who's uh, currently on LOA, but I would fly with him and he would be like, yeah, so I'm, and as we were doing whatever he would realize, Oh, this is something that I noticed when I was in SNA or that I was taught. And that as you're doing something and going through the process of it, you will teach someone as you're reminded by things that are happening, which is a very good process. Definitely. Um, can you tell me a little bit about how long the process takes to become a uh, lieutenant from the uh, SNA? Like, on average, how long does it take most uh, SNAs to promote? Let's see. Most SNAs, uh, once they get to MAG and get approved and everything gets submitted, um, they're a blueberry officially. They're wearing the flight suit. They're coming to ops and they're hanging out with MAG and flying co-pilot seat, whatever. Uh, I would say it's a good two or three weeks process uh, because you have to get hands-on experience as an SNA, as well as you have to get the certification on um, the different airframes that you're required to have, which again is the UH-1Y and the CH-53. Uh, once you have those two qualifications, uh, it's just a matter of waiting for the next promotion uh, op and you get your butter bar. And from there, it's a very long process from second lieutenant to first lieutenant. It takes probably about uh, six to eight months, I would say. Really? Okay. Uh, that, that's a very long time. I, I'm guessing that um, you have to have some sort of courses in between uh, second lieutenant and first lieutenant. Um, maybe, um, I don't know, maybe you have to qualify more aircraft. Um, it's not necessarily course-based. It's very, very heavily based on time and grade. Um, you, It's promotion points-based and time and grade, but uh, as a commissioned officer in the PTF, it takes much, much longer to promote than as a, an enlisted member. Um, for like sure. for, for myself, I have very... I'm not pay capped at this time. Uh, I can move up to the first lieutenant, but I need... I have my time and grade. Uh, however, I just need promotion points. Um, and most of the mag members that are second lieutenants are in the same boat. Um, however, once you get to first lieutenant, I believe it's uh, for mag. Actually that we can't progress past first lieutenant. That's an automatic pay cap. Uh, you cannot be a captain in, in mag 36, which kind of sucks, but you know, sometimes it's just how it is. For sure. And um, the, the, there's a lot of different airframes that are available. Uh, I know that much. What kind of airframes are actually available in the and MAC-36 in both squadrons? Yeah, so we have uh, Gunfighters does most of the flying um, in, in varial, like various airframes. The number one aircraft you're going to see in a PTF op all the time is going to be Gunfighters, uh, UH-1Y Venom, uh, you'll hear the rotors chop through the air on that thing all the time, dropping off new guys, dropping off supplies, 
Um, hopefully the situation doesn't get bad enough where they're the last resort for Cass. Um, but even if they, even if the situation calls for it, um, most of our UH one wise, uh, still carry rockets, uh, to deal with that threat. Um, but yeah, for the, for every other paramarine on the ground, uh, most people are going to notice the UH one wise the most. That's going to be the number one thing. You'll also see CH-53s a lot of times in our bigger extracts. Uh, excuse me. A lot of times in our bigger extracts, uh, Wade and Shepard and Cook will want to extract just quickly rather than um, with multiple Hueys. In our past campaign, we had a lot of tighter LZs, and it was just really not feasible to use this CH-53. Um, it was a jungle map, and it was just very not practical and sure. we switched to using the uh one wise and actually started doing things very uh vietnam-esque very air cap-esque uh landing one after another after another picking up load a squad take off fly back to base expert lands and rinse and repeat the c 53 allows us to carry a lot more people at one time so you only have to land once fill it up with paramarines and then head back to base and the uh, ch-53 is the uh, super stallion correct that is correct. That is a very large aircraft, so it tends to be a little bit more of a pain to fly. Um, but once you have some experience on it, you can make it work. And the, what uh, flight model is used? Is it basic flight model or advanced? It is advanced for all rotary. Um, it used to be simple. We pushed for advanced. We got advanced. It's not the most favorite item uh, of a lot of the pilots. Uh, because it is very unforgivingly difficult. Um, For sure. If, I've had to use it a few times. <laughs> yeah. If um, <laughs> with the uh, advanced flight model, and actually, yeah, I remember uh, me and you were messing around one day, and I was like, hey, I don't know if you'd be able to do this, but uh, here, put it in advanced flight model, see if you can take off. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I just spun around in a circle and crashed. Yeah, it's it's very unforgiving, and it, of course, it depends on the mod and the aircraft being used. The UH-1Y is a very modern helicopter. It has fly-by-wire controls. Um, it's able to not necessarily fly itself, but it's able to keep itself upright, practically on its own. It, it doesn't need a lot of help doing that. Um, but there are much more complicated factors once you factor in advanced flight model. Um, Descent rate becomes a very, very key thing um, for the pilots to be paying attention to. And if you start dipping into the minus 1,000 feet per minute descent rate and above, you will start to notice something called VRS, which is... Um, oh, shoot. I just completely blanked on it. Um, wow. Wow. It's uh, it's a phenomenon that you can get with uh, rotor aircraft and um, quadcopter drones can also have this effect. And essentially, it's a it's a stall where um, the helicopter starts trying to chop through the air that it's forcing down, and it just starts falling straight down. So that was a big learning curve for a lot of our pilots. Um, and I should mention this is a very violent um, occurrence when it happens and it takes a really skilled pilot to recover quickly. Um, and the proper recovery procedure is to add your collective back in and drift to the side out of the, the kind of cylinder of air that you were in 
Um, to do that, you need two things. You need to be able to react quick enough to do the right maneuver. And you also need the altitude to be able to sacrifice to complete the maneuver safely. A lot of times we'll have uh, infantry, we'll, we'll hop on our case and be like, hey, man, you guys keep crashing helicopters and, and crack jokes at our expense, which, of course, that's going to happen. It's a video game. Sometimes these things happen. Um, but the pilots have to be able to, uh, land their helicopters without doing it the way they got used to with simple flight model, uh, in simple flight model, most pilots would just fly straight over to the LZ where the JTAC marked it, get right over top of it, and then just drop the collective gently and just go straight down and lower themselves onto the ground. A lot of people tried doing this in advanced flight model and they lose all that forward momentum and they find themselves getting into this VRS state and they drop the hel- the helicopter basically just falls out from underneath them, which is very difficult to, to combat. And we still have guys that are learning. And that's the biggest process for SNAs is learning how to fly an advanced flight model and learning how to learn the tricks of the trade from some of the more experienced pilots of like, oh, how do I keep the helicopter from falling out from underneath me essentially while I'm trying to land. So that, oh, that's one of the yeah. big learning curves for advanced flight model for our guys. Yeah. I feel like getting up in the air is probably the easiest part, but uh, getting out of the air is going to be the uh, hardest one to do safely. Yeah. There. And we do have, we, we definitely reap the rewards of having advanced flight model. Um, Cause some of our guys that are more experienced, uh, you know, you could do some really wicked stuff with a helicopter on advanced flight model. If you know what you're doing. Uh, and if you understand the physics behind it, you can throw it across the sky. And as long as you can keep it in control and know what you're doing uh, and keep it on a tight leash, you could really, we have guys that can put them down in pretty tight spots. Uh, you could really get those things moving pretty quick. If you put the pedal to the metal on them and, uh, and crank that collective up. Um, we have a fair share of, of very capable pilots uh, on advanced flight model. But of course it's something that people do have to learn and get used to. And uh, just a quick question on average, how many of y'all have um, a HOTA setup uh, versus keyboard mouse? Uh, I do believe that the majority of our pilots fly on a HOTAS or stick of some kind. Um, it's uh, that's something else is it's very, very difficult to control um uh, advanced flight model without a HOTAS setup or some kind of throttle analog setup um, for your collective because just shift and Z makes it very difficult. You have to get very good with that, I would feel like. Um, at this time, I'm fairly certain that every mag pilot or nearly every mag pilot flies on a uh, on a stick or HOTAS setup. Yeah, for sure. Um, what would you say your favorite um, member of the PTF is? Ooh, wow. Okay. That's a good one. My That's favorite really member of the PTF. It is a, it is a tough question. Um, it's definitely very nice having Harriers now. Um, so it's, it's been fun getting to fly around the sky and, and do low passes over our guys. And just this past op, um, second platoon was on a hill for a, a long, a very large duration of the op. They kind of sat there providing overwatch. So, you know, a lot of guys when they're sitting there providing overwatch, they get bored. So the AO was really uh, adjacent to a Valley right next to the Valley. Uh, and a lot of our Harriers, we were uh, ripping through that Valley coming out of our strikes or proceeding into our strikes. 
So I would uh, throttle up a little bit to get the get the bird flying pretty quick uh, and slowly pull up and I would roll over and go inverted so that the uh, the second platoon guys could look up and, and have something to look at besides just sitting there kind of hanging out. <laughs> um, so I, I enjoy flybys. Uh, I'm a very like air show kind of guy. I really like uh, showing off uh, the skills that our mag pilots have. Um, because in the PTF, there's a, there's a lore called the Raj Plateau, which is a the infamous Raj Plateau. And, and the infamous Raj Plateau, that's correct. It's a, it's a call out that uh, a lot of the infantry guys or some of the NCOs will call out whenever Mag 36, um, if a helicopter is crashed. Uh, it's a kind of like a jab at Mag 36, like, ah, you guys crashed another one. Um, and it's all in good fun, but, uh, you know, to combat that, we have a couple of our better guys where we like to, to show off and say, Hey, yeah, we don't all Raj plateau, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, how do y'all end up, uh, contacting the guys on the ground and coordinating these assaults, uh, either casts or transportation? So there are two JTAC nets, which, uh, yeah, it's not real. So I'll, I'll say that if, of course, if this was real life, I couldn't tell you a, a frequency, but it's not. So we use, uh, on our radios 39 TAC 9 and 39 TAC 5 to deal with logistics and close air support, respectively. Um, all of the logistics, the logistics net is by far the most, uh, crowded and most populated net it has all of the helicopter pilots. Um, and the XO and leadership tend to monitor that excuse me, they tend to monitor that frequency because that's where uh, the most of the traffic is going to. Um, but honestly, before I dive into that, I'll just dive into being working the radio as a pilot in the PTF as a whole is very different than uh, for like yourself being an infantry. Uh, on average, how many nets would you be on during an op? One? Two. Uh, Two. Usually, uh, if you're on the ground, you have a as a team leader, you have your uh, team net and then your squad net. Okay, yeah. So, you know, most members of the PTF, one or two, both on their short-range radio. Squad leaders maybe on a long range for whatever reason. Um, our JTACs are typically on two or three, and our pilots are typically on at least three if not four. Uh, and there have been cases where we've been on more than four nets. Um, on our long range radios, we have our, either our squadron net, which we're talking to each other on, which would be like your fire team net. Um, as well as our primary JTAC net. So for the helicopter pilots, they're probably on six, one talking to each other, uh, and bantering or, or whatnot as well as listening to the logistical JTAC calls, uh, which that includes uh, resupplies, reinserts. Um, uh, so yeah, re, uh, resupply of ammunition, explosives, medical supplies, uh, reinserts of troops coming back into the battle, um, picking up POWs or civilians, HVTs, anything that anybody that needs to be extracted prior to the op ending. Um, and we 
are trying to standardize it to where any cast is done on 39 tac 5 which is my net uh or the net that i'm primarily on so i listen to my uh squadron net which is 6-2 i'm listening to 39 tac 5 uh which is the um air to ground net for specifically close air support so that's the net we talk about or talk on when we're going to blow something up uh um, it, indeed it is aren't you uh becoming a jtac I, I, I am. saw that recently. Oh, yeah, you so, uh, drink from the fire yeah. hose soon, buddy. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a good baptism. It definitely teaches you, uh, how important it is to listen, uh, very, very intensively. Attentively. For sure. Um, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm talking to Finney about it a lot now. Um, and just trying to learn a little bit about the whole JTAC stuff. Um, but this next stop, I'll be running with him and doing some, uh, JTAC stuff. And then I'll be at the Gunfighter Squadron uh, thing on Saturday, maybe. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely a wild ride. Uh, Air, we the reason that Air gets uh, pilots in real life as well have a a really common problem called task saturation, and it's basically it's just sensory overload. There's too much to do, too much to pay attention to all at one time, and it could psych you out. It can make you pay not enough attention to a really critical thing. Um, for example, if you're trying to land your helicopter and be very smooth and precise about it and not crash, you might not be able to get to that radio call on one of the three or four radio channels that you're listening to at the time. Um, so you might, and, uh, and we often air often has the problem of saying wrong net, uh, because there's so many mon- uh, frequencies being monitored at the time where somebody might be like, Oh, I need to say this bit of information to this person. And they talk on a radio net that is completely unrelated and they just have to disregard that and try again to make sure they get on the right net. Uh, Going back to what you were saying earlier about airframes, I never finished. Uh, We have the UH-1Y, which is the most common for PTF members. The CH-53 is probably the second most. Um, The Ospreys aren't really being used as much these days. Uh, Some of the ground guys, we've seen a lot of action in uh, air-to-air combat with the Harriers. So there's been some uh, clips circulating around about uh, troops on the ground watching us dogfight with uh, Iranian MiG 29s and, and the like, um, which look very, very nice to to see infantry's looking up and, and paying us some uh, some attention. You also have our big heavy lifters, so uh, C 17, C 130s, um, fixed wing aircraft that are mainly used for pair drop. Um, the C-17, we can pack everybody into one plane and everybody can parachute. Uh, C-130s, we could basically pack a platoon into each plane and drop in like two chalks. Um, it's very There's a wide variety of aircraft you can get your hands on. Nobody's really specialized on individual aircraft other than, um, say, like a drone operator. And Tiger Squadron, we're pretty much always needed in Harriers uh, these days with the, uh, with the Iran air threat. So... Sure. It's uh, it's just one of those things where we we typically fly only the Harrier, but uh, a lot of the gunfighters guys will fly more than just the UH one Y, even though that is their primary aircraft. For sure, um, I have one last question for you, and that is, if you were trying to get your friend to join the PTF, what would you say to them? Uh, let's see, PTF or join Mag? The PTF in specifics. Mm, I would say to definitely give it a shot. Um, 
Arma Milsim is that next level above, you know, recently we've been seeing a lot more squad came out with their Marine Corps update. Um, you also have the new Battlefield 3 Realism mod I keep seeing around, uh, Arma Reforger, um, taking the step to Arma 3 where it's this very large scale, very full combined arms. Um, you really can pull all aspects of the battle and all of the tactics together to to bring it into like one uh, kind of atmosphere. Uh, I would definitely say the PTF is a fantastic community. We have a very diverse community. Everybody gets along like very, very well. Um, definitely looking to have more people join. So even if it is just popping in, trying it out for an op, so you're like, uh, I don't know how it's going to be. I want to like try it out and see what it's going to be like. If you like it, amazing. Joining a great community, getting to hang out with some great guys. Uh, and you get some pretty cool experiences that uh, not every other gamer gets to have. You know, who who else gets to hunker down uh, from indirect artillery fire while helicopters are flying over, bringing them in supplies and uh, fighter jets are dropping bombs on the bad guys. You know, like that's not an every kind of, that's not like an only in battlefield moment. That's, some of these things I like to call only in Arma moments, which is really cringy, but they're they're just things that you can't get to another degree in uh, in other video games like you can in Arma. Uh, but yeah, for the PTF, just fantastic community, um, really good uh, opportunity to to move forward if you want to like take on a leadership role. Uh, even though it's like make believe, you could definitely learn some really good leadership skills from you know taking on a fire team or then taking on a squad and to being in charge of like. 12 guys uh you know that's a great way to learn like if you're gonna be going into a new work environment then you could use your in work environment skills in theory you could use them you know talking to your squad like oh hey guys let's let's try to do it this way instead of this way or you know whatever um great community uh great opportunities definitely just a lot of fun um some really good characters as well some really funny guys around here so uh, definitely recommend it. Uh, I would say just to definitely give it a shot. Don't be afraid to just try it out. Thank you very much, Clark. Um, thank you very much for watching the podcast. Uh, I uh, I appreciate everybody here for uh, listening to the podcast, and I will see you all next week. Thank you very much for watching, and goodbye.